You guys okay? Those of you who don't know, whenever I head down south, which is quite frequent to Mandra, Rockingham, or um, where are we? Wherever we are here, I uh, catch the oh, hey, Liz, I catch the um, the train, and uh, so I had to get out. My daughter dropped me off, and I had to fight the tooth and nail, literally the the storm that was blowing way up north south south of Geraldton, and then run into the train. Just got in in time. And it was standing room only because all the Dockers uh, supporters were on the, pl- uh, on the plane, on the train. So um, yeah, quite interesting train ride down. And then I found out that I got on the wrong one. It was heading out towards Clay- Claysbrook. Had to jump off, come back to Perth and then walk down to the Mandra platform number two. And here I am. Kevin picked me up. So all to be here with you. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me begin by... Um, extending a heartfelt honour to Brad, to Lisa, to the team. Um, I've got 30 years of ministry and building cross-culturally and being in many dynamics. And so I'd say I'm probably, probably a good gauge on leadership health uh, and where a leadership is at. And it's been an absolute honour to, to be part of the leadership core, and then Thursday night we met together with the team. But the openness, the transparency, the hunger, the humility, the hospitality, and most of all, the heart intent to follow God's instruction, God's plan is to be commended. And it's and it's precious, it's awesome. And for those of you who are visiting, those of you who are sitting on the fence, those of you who have planted yourself in this house, I wanna say um, that it's a safe place. There's no perfect church, no perfect ministry, but when you have a leadership that at the core of who they are operate on those dimensions, it's a healthy place to be. It's a safe place to be. Um, People will always let you down. If you get to know me long enough, there's somewhere along the track I'll let you down and tread on your toes and we'll have to deal with stuff. But the reality is that's life. But at the core of this ministry is healthy and I love it. I love that they are wanting to learn, wanting to grow, wanting to develop. And um, it's, it's an honour to sit in an environment. I think the first session we had together, I probably spoke just short of three hours just sitting around the table um, and these guys were just pulling it out and, and they are teaching me as well. And I love that in any relationship that God puts together, it's, it's uh, two-sided. I learn about nature and eagles and trees and all sorts of stuff. You guys think I'm joking? I'm not. Just go and spend a, a moment with um, Jess. Um, I want to continue, not so much uh, just to pick a, a funky sermon today, but I want to continue in the, the thread. If you're visiting, uh, you're still going to get blessed. If you're part of the house, you're going to be double blessed. If you're part of the leadership, you're going to be triple blessed. But I want to continue in that building capacity that um, you know, in our relationship has been formed around me coming in and adding one brick. Okay, I don't profess to know everything, but the reality is I'm carrying this ministry in my heart and I want to serve this ministry the best I possibly can. And therefore, um, sitting with Father, 
you know, during the, the weeks that have gone by, it's been an honour and a privilege to be able to just really pull up what I feel is um, part of the ingredients to help you in the journey, knowing that it's only a brick, but that one brick of hope has a knock-on effect and um, helps you along the journey. Um, I want to begin with where I began uh, Thursday night in Proverbs chapter 10, verse number five and six. You might as well just sit back and relax because I'm going to read from the TPT translation. But the title of my message today or my thoughts are around the whole concept of what time is it? Look at someone and say, what time is it? Yeah. What time is it? Let's begin in verse number five and it says, know the importance, know the importance, everyone say importance. Know the importance of the season you are in and a wise son you will be. Say wise. A wise son you will be. Verse six. But what a waste when an incompetent son sleeps through his day or her day of opportunity. I want to submit the following thoughts to you is this, that we all want to operate in wisdom. What is Bible wisdom or what, is, what does the word wisdom really refer to? Wisdom is the ability to know what to do and how to do it. Knowing what to do and how to do it. But wisdom, according to this passage of Scripture, is connected to your knowledge of the season you're in. So wisdom is conditional to our understanding of what season we are in. Whether we are aware of it or whether we're not, as Bible believers, as Hindus, as Buddhists, as Taoists, whatever creed, whatever tongue, whatever religion that you subscribe to, God is all and He's in all. All of humanity is being influenced by God. You've just got to have eyes to see it. Sometimes we look at the practice of religion and we kind of say, well, God is not in that. But God is in it. He might not be backing their religion, but He is invested in the world. It didn't say for God to love the church. For God to love the world. Love invests. Love is committed. God is committed to the Hindu as much as He is to the Christian. Unfortunately, we still have this bias that whatever is happening on earth has to be happening in the church. Whatever is happening on earth must be happening in me because I'm a believer and I'm favoured. And we've kind of charismatically turned favour into being our thing, not their thing. But if you read the Bible, you'll see that God favours and His reign falls upon the just and the unjust. Christianity was never meant to be sectarianism. It was never meant to divide. It was never meant to be about us and them. You hear me now? So the earth is in the grip and the hand of God. What regulates every man and every woman on the earth are the seasons of God. Just most of us, even in Christendom, we're not fully aware of the season that we are in today. Social media has a bombardment of thoughts around eschatology, what God is doing, what God isn't doing. There's so much mixture out there at the moment in relation to or looking through the lens of COVID, lockdown, uh, you know, uh, vaccinations, all this type of thing. And we're looking through the lens and all of a sudden the end time specialists start rising in the earth and this is the last of the last days. 
And unfortunately, I wonder if we're like the scribes and the Pharisees. We can tell you there's a red sky at night, shepherd's delight, red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning, but we fail to understand the time of His coming. It wasn't the scholars of the day that knew He's coming. It was fishermen, tradies that were able to say, this is the season of God. And I fear that if we are so congested and caught up in social media and mixtures of of religious thought that we're going to miss the season that we're in and we will fail to walk as the wise in the earth. And God is really calling us to a place now, slow the car down, slow the church down, slow your life down. That doesn't mean that your ability to be fruitful fruitful and productive is going to cease. It just means when you slow down to the rhythm of God's revelation, you're able to listen and hear and more will be produced. So God is doing that in paradox right now. There are aspects of your ministry. When we look at the word slow down, it's a paradoxical Uh, expression in the Kingdom of God or underscored by the Kingdom of God because when you slow down, you're actually speeding up. The Kingdom is what? Upside down. So there are aspects of us as God's church called paradox where we've got to be slowing down so that we can really align to the revelation, to the Word, to the seasonal thing that God is wanting to drop on the inside of us so that we're regulated by God's season and not the trendy voices out there. I typify that to not wearing Saul's armour, not being conditioned to try and fit into someone else's thought pattern, someone else's ideology, but really stepping outside of that in this season and aligning your life to the season of God. Over the years, the last 30 years, we were based uh, for six months of the year at, at probably over a decade in uh, Singapore. So I spent a lot of time in transit in Singapore, going to different Asian nations, et cetera, et cetera. One thing you'll find in, in Singapore, it's a hub. Uh, Changi Airport is a hub. And I sit back often over the years and I would look and, and I, w- I would actually pick that person's going to some Scandinavian nation. Why? Because they're dressed for winter. That person, they're probably staying in Singapore or they're off to some Asian country because they've got thong shorts and T-shirt. So when you look around at the mass of the people in transition, everyone's dressed differently according to the season they're going to go into. And God wants us as a people to begin to dress in preparation for the season. It's called transition. It's called migration. But it's also called a metamorphosis. So He wants us now, many times when uh, my family and myself were on our way to Bali, you know, it might be July that we would leave because we want to follow the sun in Bali. We would dress leaving in our winter clothes, but midway in the flight, we would take off all that winter stuff and begin to put our Australian thongs, shorts or boardies and and T-shirt on. Why? We are preparing for the season we're about to come into. And I believe right now that uh, paradox, as a community, God wants us to begin to dress or start to change thoughts, programs, mindsets, start dressing our minds towards the season that God is transitioning this house into. Here's a thought for any church to understand the time that they're in and knowing what to do requires the following. It requires conversation. 
It requires listening. It requires examination. And it requires alignment to God's agenda, yeah? And that's what I love about Brad's heart, the team's heart. We wanna have conversation. We really wanna listen. We wanna posture internally towards listening to what God is saying. Because sometimes we think having maybe a prayer line and I pray over you and you're just gonna know the season of God. It doesn't work like that. We've gotta dig. We've gotta ask questions. We've gotta have conversations with other people. The mind of God is found in the cluster here. We've gotta listen. We've got to examine, we've got to explore and we've got to begin to unwrap an understanding of what God is saying in His time for the house of God today. Amen. 90% of our problems, I believe, that happen in church today, it happen in leadership, happen in life is when we're not aligned to the season of God. Amen. You've only got to look at Jonah as an example. Jonah was on his way to Tarshish when the season of God was Nineveh. The Bible says that he was asleep in the bowels of the ship. And notice what the Bible says when we just read the text for today, is that when you're an incompetent son, you sleep through your day of opportunity. That's what Jonah was doing. When you disengage from being synchronised to the season of God, Literally, problems are going to arise that weren't part of the agenda of God. And many times I've seen it time and time again in the church is where we start rebuking and binding the devil and we need prayer counsel and things like this for things that God didn't intend to happen. But because we are not synchronised to the season of God for our lives individually and corporately, the storms have access around us to influence us in our lives. Are you, are you with me today? Amen. Look at your neighbour and say smile because he gets nervous when you don't smile. So how does, how does a season break into the earth? It's important that we understand this. Can we just begin to unpack some thoughts here? A season of God is often referred to as a move of God. Now, I don't want to shoot sacred cows, but I don't personally believe in a move of God in the traditional sense like I used to, all right? And I'm going to show you later on from Scripture that often we coin phrases and language that cause us to be in a waiting room waiting for God to move when God maybe has already moved and He's waiting for us to move, yeah? Are you hearing me today? Now, in order to understand how a season breaks into the earth, we must understand that the earth right now is in a cycle of restoration. You hear me now? In Acts chapter 3, 19, 20, 21 and 22, you can read it in your own time, but you can basically see that the invitation by the writer of the book of Acts is saying to the church that we need to repent, change the way we are thinking in order to enter times of refreshing. And then he begins to talk about Jesus's position in heaven is being held. He's being held in heaven until the restoration of all things, amen? So we can conclude that Jesus doesn't come as a thief in the night. What we have termed the second coming of Jesus, which is not really His second coming because He's been coming to and fro the earth 
since day dot, all right? It's another thing with eschatology. But another, you know, there's many writers out there talk about the thief in the night. You know, we've got to rethink the book of Thessalonians again. We'll find out that if you're sons of light, he won't come or appear as a thief. He doesn't just come. Bang, he's there. Read the Bible. It's in the Bible. So Jesus' coming is regulated by us. If we are in, scripturally, a restoration cycle where things are having to be restored back to the earth and heaven, the Bible says, is holding him until, here's the word, until, and insert a comma, until things have been restored on earth, he will not come. So that puts an onus on us or an understanding of kingdom doctrine. And that is this, we must align ourselves to the macro vision of God, the season of God, and understand that we are regulating heaven on earth. Yet we're waiting and saying, God, you are regulating. When you come, you'll just move your hand. That's Pentecostal doctrine and that's inaccurate. Everything God does, He does it with a man or a woman. It is illegal for God when we know Bible truth, and we study the Scriptures, it is illegal for God just to wave His hand and create what we have termed a move of God. God cannot move apart from you and me. He's legally bound to us. It's covenant. Now, some of these things I'm not going to explain because I just want to drop them so that you go like, what? <laughs> now I've got to go and rethink that. All right? Are you hearing me now? Now we're talking about... A wise son, a wise woman, a wise family, a wise church are those that are aware and understand the season of God and then wisdom will kick in. You'll function in that season and you will glean from the season everything that God has intended you to grow into and to manifest on the earth. We understand again, I'm going slow, but the earth is in a cycle of restoration. And the Bible says, Acts 3, 19, 20, 21 and 22, you'll see it, that He's not going to be released back to sum up all things, to put the icing on the cake until certain things take place on earth. Who are the vessels that God is primarily looking for to begin that work, to carry out that work? Jesus in John 17, one of the most beautiful expressions of father and son having a conversation here, or Jesus as son having a conversation. In John 17 verse one, he says this, Father, the hour has come, or Father, the time is complete. That's literally what it means. The time is complete. So we're gonna ask ourselves, what was he referring to? When you read on in verse four, he says, I have finished the work that you have sent me to do, yeah? When you read on, you understand in verse 24, he says that the glory that you gave me, I have given them. And then he goes on to say, the glory that I had from the beginning, I want you to restore that back to me. So he's talking about two glories, two seasons. When Jesus came to the earth, he was given the glory of sonship. That's what Jesus said, I've finished the work 
that you have called me to finish, the glory that you gave me to operate as a son of inheritance, to steward the spheres that you entrusted to me, I'm giving that glory to them, the glory of being son and you being father. That's the primary mandate that Jesus came is to reveal and manifest the Father. You hear me now? So he goes on to say, now the glory I had before, restore that back to me. What's that? That's the glory of being God. So he gave up those rights, yeah? So there are dimensions here we've got to look at. We're talking about people that are chosen or God is looking for to carry out restoration work on the earth. It goes like this. The mandate, according to Jesus, according to the language He used, is to make what in the earth? Disciples. So He said, go and make disciples. Now, there's a lot of banter in, in a lot of known churches about discipleship. And I kind of feel like, and I know Brad uh, doesn't subscribe to this, but we've kind of stopped at discipleship and we've made it the whole bang shenazzle. We kind of, as I think Brad, you spoke about this last week, yeah, the end game. So he, he, he wants us to move beyond discipleship and go to sonship and beyond sonship to go to fathering. Amen. There are three dimensions for us to effectively restore and build in the earth. First level is discipleship. Second level is son. A disciple does what? Follows. A son does what? Is sent. A father does what? Reproduces. So we're talking about a kingdom structure here to bring restoration. What is the kingdom structure? Family. It's an image. We are made in the image of God. We function just like Him. Some of you look at me like, what planet? Come on. Are you hearing me now? So Jesus is not going to pop out in the next, you know, I've been around 30 years. He was coming in 1987, according to the Bible scholars. And then he was coming in 2000 when the whole computers were going to, you know, he's been coming for a long time. Since 1829, he's been coming. That, that rapture theology has been coming out. But the reality is he's not focused on coming as much as he is focused on us restoring back reconciling, redeeming back the things that He has already legally done. Amen? John 17, He said this, God sent the Son so that the world might find what? Salvation. Salvation should never ever have been limited to what we have termed a sinner's prayer. It is, that is a shallow, shallow interpretation of it. Saved from hell and one day you go to heaven. That's, that's a lame interpretation of it. The word uh, salvation there refers to being made whole. Furthermore, we can coin the word from that translation to say salvage. To salvage something means to bring it back to its original, what? Its original design. What is restoration about? Bringing things back to Father's original design. Amen. What's your mandate, John 17? Find the language of God in there. It's all coded in there. That was Jesus' assignment. He talks about the beginning. He talks about what He's done. He talks about how He wants things wrapped up. We've got to understand that Jesus operated within God's season and structure within that season while He was on earth. 
we are called to do the same. Amen? Is this okay? Brad can sort out doctrine after if you have any concerns. But I just want you to know this. While we subscribe to it, it sounds good and we get emotional about it. There's a move coming. It trains your soul to be like, well, I'm not yet complete. Things are not really right. And we've got to kind of wait to some thing called revival comes. It's the ultimate move of God. And we miss the little miracles. I don't even want to call them little. We miss the miracles that happen in a family, <laughs> that happen in our life. We miss the miracle of just thank you, God, for the joy that I feel today. Thank you, God, for, like for me, my 15-year-old son that's got his head screwed on and is making some good choices in the last three weeks. That's a miracle. You hear me now? What we do is we minimise the mundane and we separate it and we kind of say, well, look, it's going to happen in the church. It's called revival. If we get enough unity, that's going to be the whole thing and we're going to move the hand of God. Who told you that stuff? All of a sudden, when you have that lens over your eyes, you will leave. I mean, the lens I'm talking about is when you know that God's not got, He's got not some, he's not got some ultimate move. <laughs> he's moved. Yeah. He's moved. Now can we get into some nuts and bolts? Is that okay? Dun, 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 dun. As we, res- as we uh, observe Bible history, I love it. I love reading from Genesis to Revelations. And you know what my eyes look for? Patterns. Show me patterns. Corinthians actually says these things happen to them as an example for us. So there are patterns, there are threads, there are templates that we can actually draw from and learn as, old, as we migrate from the old into the new, yeah? So there are patterns of God when it comes to the move of God, when it comes to the season of God that we need to identify. Okay, here's one of the patterns that is Bible. Number one, whenever God is doing something on the earth, remember He can't do it on His own. He chooses a man or a woman, yeah? Or in Samuel's day, a boy. He's about eight years of age. You hear me now? Now, Encircle this in your mind. Maybe we're not looking for a move of God as we are looking for a move within man. Maybe if we as leaders start to move away from like, I'm trying to create an environment for a move to come and then it's just going to sort every bit of rubbish we've had in the church. We don't need counselling. We don't need anything more. That's kind of really in the back of our minds we're waiting for. Who told you that? See, you're minimising the work of the cross when you think like that. You're minimising the redemptive, reconciled power of Christ in us already. Amen? Well, I know it's a big cow, but it's going to be shot down. God's bringing us back and aligning us that we've got to stop waiting for a move of God and start seeing the move of man. God in man. Oh, I felt that. I just followed. I just paused a bit. Because you're thinking like, oh, he's new age. I'm looking for, now, I, I, I look at this young fella and I want to say to you, I'm, I'm, I go home on the train and contemplate with each one of these guys and think, I'm seeing you move, Father, in them. I'm seeing you ready them, prepare them. It's powerful when you've got eyes to see. I'm watching my, my, my wife last night sat for an hour and a half with my 15-year-old son talking Bible stuff in urban language. It's a move of God. 
When you have teenagers, you know that's a move of God. <laughs> Talking sex, relationships, God, hell, heaven, kingdom. What does it all mean? Bit by bit, both sitting back on the bed there and just talking for an hour, solid, hungry to know about God. That's a move of God that happened in my house last night at 11 to 12 o'clock. Oh, but hang on, Pete, we're still waiting. No, 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 stop. Get out of the waiting room and know that it is your turn. It's your turn. Amen? Look at your neighbour and say, it is your turn. Hey, so number one, he chooses a man and a woman. Second of all, he reveals an aspect of himself to them. Yeah? So Jess has an aspect. I have an aspect. That's where it's wrong to follow a man. If, if you were just like sink yourself in all my teachings, I would say to you, you're going to get imbalanced. You've got to have a cluster. You've got to have people that you listen to. You've got to have your mother's, Mother Teresa speaking into your life. You know, some of the most influential people, well, 95% of the most influential people in my life never spoke from a pulpit. There are people that don't have social media platforms. You won't even hear of them. Some of them have died. We just met them along the journey. Some in Tasmania, some in Sydney, New South Wales. And they became like a mum and dad to us. And they know life. They know how to garden well. But you find God in them and you draw it out. And they've never, stay, never spoken a sermon in their life, but they're rich. You know, the one thing that happens when we pass from this earth, they're not going to remember my sermons. But they'll remember... My love, my acts. Amen? Hey, God chooses a man and a woman. He reveals an aspect of himself in them. He reveals a hidden facet of who they are. So he reveals himself, a portion of himself. And then we're on the journey to unwrap and understand more of God. Then he begins to show you who you are. There are patterns in the Word of God, yeah? This is all leading up to a move of God manifesting. Fourthly, he shares a piece of his assignment. Brad doesn't have the full assignment, nor does he understand the full assignment. Nor do I. He gives us a piece. This is a move of God. This is a move of God. This is a move of God. Sure, we get off track. Who cares? Grace kicks in. Mercy kicks in. God covers us. And He'll draw us back to that space of alignment with the season of God. He's doing that today. Finally, because He doesn't want us to operate on an individual level, He connects us with people. Amen. Those five steps you can go over another time. That's how God creates a move. It's Bible. Every time God was about to do something, even in the Old Covenant, He didn't just go, whoosh. You know what He did? Joshua. Jacob. Joseph. And it was a process. And those five steps unfold. So what is God doing in paradox today? I know I'm going off. I was going to continue on what we started on back in a few weeks ago, but I feel led to go down this path. God is preparing a people. They are disciples becoming sons, manifested as fathers and mothers on the earth. Amen. God is working that way. When you trace Bible or the Bible patterns, you will see that God uses what, or He plays His hand and He uses a wild card. What are some wild cards? Moses, Jacob, they're wild cards. John the Baptist didn't inherit the name of his father, didn't continue the Aaronic priesthood, became a prophet. They're wild cards. They came from spaces and places 
that no one knew. But God played His hand and He's playing His hand in paradox right now and God has called you to be His wild card. God has chosen you in this season and is developing you according to His plan within the season as His wild card. What's some traits of wild cards? The unknown and unheard of for a time. They haven't qualified for the game the normal way. Their raw talent often disrupts the status quo. You can go on and on and on. John the Baptist is a perfect example. Jesus is a perfect example. Come out of a manger. Amen. Your hidden seasons are so, so, so important. Amen. Look at your neighbour and bump them and say, we're, we're, we're doing all right. Come on. Another wild card, one of my favourites, as I begin to come down to land, is this, David. Everyone say David. Now, here's what's happening in the earth right now, but it's also happening in paradox. David was born into a system that was opposite to the season of God that he had on the inside of him. Sometimes our contentions, our frustrations and the tensions we're going through is because we're carrying something different to our context. Are you hearing me now? Saul, as we know in the Bible, he was what? Narcissistic, self-focused, self-centred. He was not people empowering in his leadership structure. He was self-empowering. He was all about, let's have a good image so that we look good to the Midianites, the Philistines, whoever else. And if you look at, he consumed. He was a consumer operator in his leadership function. And David was born at a time where God wanted to begin to break open a new servant leader, one that would carry his heart and manifest his season in the earth. First Samuel, let me read it to you from chapter 16 and verse one. It says this, Now the Lord had said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for whom I've provided myself a king among sons. I just want to briefly touch on the Samuel and Jesse syndrome that is currently in the church today. What is that? Samuel knew that the season of God for Saul had finished, but he stayed committed to that old order and he still functioned in that old order. And there had to come a point that even though he knew it was wrong, God said to him, how long are you gonna mourn for Saul? How long are you gonna continue to align yourself to this old season and allow it to continue to function? Here comes the wild card. We always need wild cards in these type of seasons. So Samuel was blind blinded by the season that he was in. He was blinded by the whole Saul construct. It's what I call the operating system that Saul functioned out of was blinding Samuel from seeing what God was seeing. So he had to interrupt him. There are interruptions that are happening right now on planet Earth beyond COVID, beyond some of the natural things, but God is all of a sudden choosing ministries like He chose the wild cards in the day of David. He's starting to mark and call out people that are gonna say, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to celebrate and tolerate things that aren't with God in this season. Amen. So God had to open his eyes. Why? Because as we'll see in a moment, Samuel was influenced totally by the value system of Saul. And here's where two seasons are intersecting and the war begins. God says, I want you to go to Jesse. There is a king, or let me say, there is a new season that's gonna manifest out of Jesse's sons. So he rocks up to Jesse. He said, bring me your sons. Jesse brings out seven sons. And here's the word of the Lord. Well, before we go there, the second son he comes to is Eliab. Here's how we know he has influenced the lens, the perspective he's operating out of is the Saul way. Because he looks at Eliab and he says, tall, handsome, he's loaded, he's got guns. It's all what? Image related. That church is big. That church is funky. That church has got four, five hundred. That church is, come on, it's a language. It's an old order language. And it comes straight out. Surely, this is the anointed one. No. Next one. No. No. Seven no's. Here's, here's a revelation I want you to get. It took seven no's, both for Samuel and for Jesse to hear before they came to the end of themselves and God could show them the new season. You hear me now? Right now in the earth, God is saying no to certain things and people are meeting them. They're not about us, we're better, they suck. David wasn't like that. He just got on with the game and built the new season in the earth. You hear me now? But the reality is, God is bringing us to the end of ourselves by saying deep down in our hearts, no, I'm not in that anymore. And all of a sudden, things that you engaged in, prayer, prayer styles, worship, worship styles, church, Sunday, um, mission, the list will go on and on. It's just something niggling on the inside of you and it's what I call the no. And when you say yes to the no, the shift will take place in you. When we surrender to God's no, that's when the internal metamorphosis will really take root in our lives and we'll start to move, yeah? And so the seven no's that came into the heart and into the mind of Samuel brought him to the end because he wasn't seeing accurately, he wasn't hearing accurately. Finally, it was the eighth son. Here's the wild card. God is playing the wild card. God is playing the wild card in this ministry. I guarantee you are one among many ministries that God right now is saying, I need my wild cards because they're disrupting the status quo. They're disrupting the accepted familiar patterns and the normal patterns. They are on a mission just to be obedient to God. They're not on a mission to, to create a division. They're not on a mission to try and, you know, be better than the, the old order, but they're on the mission just to say 
yes to God's no, to be obedient. And I wanna tell you today, that's the place that we need to be in. And so we understand right now some of the things, you know, I'm talking to people young and old in the last say six months. And there are some people saying, Pete, I just cannot pray the way I used to. Pete, I can't, as a leader, I just can't function the way I have done. And it's not throwing everything out, but what it is, is God is saying no. So that we come to the end and the beginning of the new season in us can begin to break forth. So some of the things that God is saying to paradox are the following. There are facets to the way you have done things that you need to know are ending. And we've been talking about these things. I'm not just coming in here prophesying. We've been talking about that. There are facets to you as a ministry that God is saying no. And that doesn't mean what you've done in the past is wrong, but it's all regulated by what? A wise son that knows and understands the season. When the season starts to change, God releases the no. And you, you, you know, we wanna hang on to what we know. It's familiar, it's comfortable. It's like, hang on a minute, Brad, but we've done it this way. And you know, the reality is, hey Brad, it still works, but obedience, Obedience is to be able to say, even though it still works and it can manifest a measure of the anointing, I'm saying no. And it takes gutsy leaders in this time right now to understand that being obedient to God's no is so, so important to the alignment of the season that He's bringing us to. I guarantee you, Word, revelation is going to change. Doesn't mean the word that Brad brought, others brought was wrong. Not at all. There's just a change. There's a frequency change. Worship, Sunday practice, leadership practice, leaders, prayer, outreach. Some of these things are, are starting now to morph. You're in what we call liminal space right now, transition. Some people drop off in transition. Some people are added. Some people get unsettled in, tra in transition. There are all sorts of emotions that rise up in liminal space. Number two, the key is don't mourn over the change. Let it go, let it go, let it go and reach forward. Be excited, be curious, be expectant. Allow curiosity to fill your heart to say, I'm into change. You know. Part of me wants you to stay down that normal path, but stay curious because curiosity causes you to want to explore and go deeper. As I'm coming into a land, aspects of what brought you here can't take you to your next. It's called operating systems. Remember Moses? Moses, stretch out your rod. What's going to happen? Red Sea backs up. People complaining, we need water, we need water, we need a miracle. God said, speak to the rock. Moses thought, no, the operating system I've used before, it's worked. See, sometimes what worked before, amen, we default back, it's familiar. The rod's, the rod's brought national breakthrough. But God said, I want you to speak to it because the operating system of this season, Moses, is different. And so he was disobedient, amen? You hear me now? The operating system of John's disciples across to Jesus' disciples, they come to Jesus, this is, time after uh, John's declared he's the Lamb of God, it's a new season, etc., etc., they come to Jesus and say, how come your guys don't fast like John's disciples do? In other words, 
How come you don't operate or your operating system's not the same as ours? Then later on, John's in prison and he, he comes out again. Are you the one? Why is he questioning? Because your operating system, Jesus, is different to what we expected. These are little signs, the patterns we've got to follow and understand. Sometimes people are sitting back saying, geez, Brad, Joss and the leaders, they're making these changes. It just doesn't look like church should be. Maybe it's the wild card at play. Amen? You're getting the, the essence of, yeah? Amen? God is playing His wild card in this ministry. Two seasons are intersecting right now. I, I beg you, people of God, there is a mandate. There is a commission of God upon you. And you've only just begun. The, the, the ministry that you are in today has such a mark of God on it, but it's not called to run down the trendy, traditional Saul's armour. Let's do it like everyone else's lane. Amen. And I want to tell you in the earth right now, people are fed up. Why? They're listening to the no. Just can't do church like we did. Just can't do missions like we did. Can't raise, raise money for missionaries like we did. Can't demand people, give, give, like we did. I mean, you hear me now? There's a lot of things. The baggage is being trimmed off. Why? God is saying no so that He can release His next. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. My brother here, the tall guy. What was your name? Was it? Ian. Ian, uh, when I looked at you before in worship, I was staring at you because I was looking at your hands. Your hands are hands that will bring a great um, a lifting up. I saw your hands move to, to become like forklifts. And so there are loads that God has graced you to carry. Emotional loads, practical loads. But I see your hands like the hands of a missionary. There is this missionary dynamic on you, not the old order missionary, but there is this thing that is rising on the, in, on the inside of you for a new kind of outreach a new kind of, kind of expression. And there is like a, morph, a metamorphosis taking place in you. There is a courage, a confidence and a boldness that's going to rise in you. And it, I, I kind of felt like the Lord just kicking me a little, you know, uh, from behind saying, it's these ones, you know, it's not, when the disciples said, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? You know, they were thinking like, surely it's us. And he's going, well, is the servant? Or you, and basically he was referring to the servant is greatest. And because of your servant heart, I kind of feel like that God has just got this thermal current that's flowing under you and He's raising you up and He's going to lead you forward. And I, I feel in the time to come that you're going to be part of leading teams, outreaches and organising, planning, preparing and, and carrying. This is carrying capacity, carrying emotionally, carrying physically, carrying mentally some of these um, heartfelt aches that are going to grow on the inside of you, part of team, part of the team's expression to get things moving in certain directions. But we need you and you are important. The anointing of the forklift is on you, yeah? <laughs> amen, 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 amen. This is the, the guy behind Brad. Just lift your hands if you would. What was your name? 
the grace of God is, is, uh, is going to morph and open up pathways. And, 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 and I, I just see a whole new lens coming down over your eyes. And I see your ears growing and growing. In this season, I see a greater perspective for kingdom expression and understanding is coming upon you. And your ears, I just see the voice of God is already resonating in those ears of yours. And God has given you a heart to, to break into uh, places that, have, that are breach, places that are out of order, places that are not correctly positioned and you're going to bring order to a people that have lost hope. You're going to bring uh, positioning to a people that have lost understanding of who they are. The Lord has called you to bring uh, identity. He's called you to bring love. He's caused your hands and your heart to be an expression of Him. You're a Samaritan and God has called you to pour water uh, call, uh, pour water and, and oil and wine into the, to the wounds of those that are broken. God has going to cause you to move into a whole new expression. I just see this whole surge taking place uh, under you. I see like the rhythm of God coming up from uh, beneath your feet and I see God thrusting you forward. There is, there is a, a day of promotion. There is a day of promotion coming. I see within the next three years that, that God is going to expand your influence. God is going to increase your measure. There is an authority in you, but it's, it's almost like there's this gentleness about you. There's this compassion about you. But in the midst of that, you're gonna have the hearts of mankind. You're gonna be able to listen. You're gonna be able to you know, hold people in, in your heart and people are gonna trust you. People are gonna love you. People are gonna, you know, almost uh, uh, aligned because of that love, because of that tenderness that you have on the inside of you. But I see this next three years, God is bringing you into new ground, new space, a new increase is happening in and around about you. And so the favour of God is upon you for, um, you know, regional uh, things. I see councils, I see uh, you know, I, I see you having favour with council members. I see you having favour with, with authority figures. I just see the favour of the Lord. I see the Lord saying the pathway beneath your feet is just beginning to get wider and wider and wider as your scope and as your influence is going to go deeper and further in the coming days that is upon you even now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you and honour you for paradox, Lord. Lord, we pray and thank you for the place we stand, for the things that you've unfolded, shared, partnered with us. And as the church, we ask, Lord God, that You would help everyone to respond to what You are saying in this season. Lift off of us lies, deceptions, things that would lead us in the opposite direction to the day called the season of God. Cause the eyes of this ministry's understanding to be open Cause them, Father God, to begin to access the new dimensions of this season. 
Grant, Lord God, to us a rhythm, a pace and a flow in the midst of transition. God, I ask for wisdom and understanding traversing through sometimes the maze, sometimes the blind times, the shadow times. But You are our light, Lord God, and we pray and ask right now, open the eyes of each one under the sound of my voice. Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. Whilst we stand here together, I want you to respond in your heart, which is the greatest altar. If you so choose, if there's been anything in this message today in terms of wanting to be aligned to the season of God, wanting to have understanding and awareness, and you wanna be that person that is in sync with the season of God, in sync with all that He wants to process in that season. Just have a moment, 30 seconds or so of quietness with you and, and your Father and just begin to open your heart up and talk to Him. And He hears and He knows. Just have that time right now. I just wonder if you would say to the Father, Father, whatever you are saying no, whatever you're saying no to in this season in my life, help me to say yes to that no. Just tell Him that from your heart. For each of us, it can be different. He's your dad, He's your father. Loves, adores you. We say yes to that no, Father, individually and in the corporate, Father. Father, we just thank you for Brad and Lisa, for their children. As a, as a ministry, as a church, we present them before you and we ask, Father God, for the eyes of their understanding to be so open, Lord. Keep them from the 
the pressures of life Keep them, Father God, under the shelter of your wings. And yet in the midst of that, lead them, Father, to green pastures, Father, that they might feast, that they might find peace and rest. That out of that space, Lord God, that the waters of revelation, the waters of your presence, the waters of your kingdom would flood their hearts and their minds and the children. We speak peace to them, Father. And we say yes to all that you're doing in their lives and all the things that you are leading them through. We agree with you, Father, and declare your love. Refresh them, enrich them, empower them, Father God. May your wisdom carry them farther forward in all that they engage in in life. Pray for Lisa, Lord, as she shepherds her kids, Lord, teaches them, instructs them. We pray that great grace be upon them, Lord, that the kids would expand inwardly in the knowledge of God academically socially, that your kingdom come and your will be done over that family, Father God, in a real, rich, special way. Thank you that they've said yes to the no when others have said we'll follow the no and we'll keep pushing. Enrich them, Father. Pray for the team, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you would continue to encircle them with your love, your kindness. Open their eyes of their hearts, Lord, and cause them to see the things that you want them to see. Grace, 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 grace be upon them, Father. And finally, Lord, I thank you for every family that's represented here, mums, dads, grandparents, parents, We thank you for paradox, Lord. We thank you for thus far. But Lord, we anticipate with expectancy a people that will hear your no and respond and let the David in this ministry, the spirit, the grace of that wild card rise, Lord, in this hour. Let the grace carry them, the grace of our God carry them forward in all they do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, thank you so much. It's one of those moments right there where we could all beanbag it and continue to, to flow down that uh, river. Um, but he who begun the work in you will continue it. Amen. God bless you.